Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. I can't explain this to you either. Herm Edwards, former head coach of Arizona State, claimed on ESPN Radio, I always knew what kind of quarterback Purdy was. I recruited him out of high school, but he ended up going to Iowa. Well, the truth is, number one, he didn't go to Iowa. He went to Iowa State, just like we don't want you to be confused with ASU and U of A, Herm. Secondly, Herm, no, you didn't. That's why he went to Iowa State. He was dying to go to ASU. Nice try at lying. You failed. Football schedule came out for ASU yesterday. Starts at home on August 31st against Wyoming. First Big 12 road game at Texas Tech on the 21st of September. First home game at versus Kansas on October 5th. Longest road trip to Cincinnati in mid-October. And the U of A game is on the road in Tucson. The U of A schedule, obviously all the Big 12 schedules released. Their first home game is August 31st against New Mexico. Their first trip in the Big 12, first game at K-State, September 14th. First home game in the Big 12 is not until October. That's the fifth against Texas Tech. Longest road trip to Orlando, Central Florida on November 2nd. And they host the Sun Devils in Tucson. Sun's got three games in four nights. Sun's got three games left on a brutal seven-game road trip. They're at Brooklyn tonight, who's one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the league. Tip-off is at 6.30. Sun's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Jason Kidd, head coach, Dallas Mavericks, went a little crazy. You can't take this young man for granted. Um, he's better than Dirk. Uh, he's in the, in, the, in the atmosphere of MJ, uh, the best to ever do it, LeBron, uh, Kobe. I'm in the atmosphere of MJ then, too. I just, that was, that's sick. Rory has now done a complete 180. Live is not so bad. I, I'm obviously I've changed my tune on that because I see where golf is and I see that having a diminished PJ tour and having a diminished live tour or anything else is is bad for both parties. The discussion point is whether or not live golfers should be punished by either a fine or suspension if they come back and play on the PGA Tour. Rory was all in favor of massive fines for the PGA players to get some of the money that the live golfers made. He's changed his tune. They can keep their money. Very interesting. John Angelos, owner of the Baltimore Orioles because his dad has dementia, has decided to sell $1.725 billion. His dad bought the team for less than $200 million in the 90s. Huge upsets last night. UNC number three, they lost on the road at Georgia Tech 74-73. And Jeff Weir Productions number five Tennessee Volunteers, they lost to South Carolina 63-59.
And finally, meet Michael Witte from Liverpool. He brought some Kinder Surprise eggs for his flight from England to Dubai. But then he stored the eggs in the most peculiar place. His butt. Yeah. Witty unwrapped the chocolate eggs and then poked a hole in it and drained the inside filling, filled up the chocolate eggs with ecstasy and cocaine, and then wrapped the eggs up and stored them inside himself. When the the drug-sniffing dogs went ballistic as he tried to board the plane, he then passed every strip search until he went to the bathroom <laughs> and and uh and it was all a mess jackpot unplugged army i feel like a true commander in chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings go to unplugged at whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from whirlwind golf club at wild horse pass whirlwind plus here's what you get you sign up for a tea time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off, plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedworldwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. The Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. It was thankfully ended very quickly, very soon. But it would have been a tragedy for the ages. And for the first time in my life, I don't care that I completely bail. Just totally said, no way. I'm out of here. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whenever it is that you've decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Merch. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Uh, had a chance to dress things up a little bit with uh, a couple uh, bobbles. There's, you know, I, I got to organize it a little better on the desk there. There's Seth Beer. There's uh, my Ohio Bobcat beer mug. Let's move Larry. Uh, I promoted donor to the desk here. Uh, Senator McCain. And then my USA USA beer mug. There we go. There we go. There we go. 
even though that'll all change coming up a little bit later. Uh, I can't wait. I, I hope I'm successful on this. Uh, anyone in the Unplugged Army? I think, I don't, I don't mind admitting this to you, I think I have a cool logo. Uh, I did not design it. A guy uh, named Alec from Blundell Designs in uh, L.A. designed it for me. And I told him, I want either something to do with Camelback Mountain or something to do with the mittens. And then I said, and the state of Arizona has a really, really cool flag, if there's a way to, to include that. And he came up with the mitten without the thumb. My big headphones that I, usually, that I prefer to wear, but I've, I've forgotten to get a cord for it. Uh, I, still, I still can't wait to, these are my uh, temporary headphones or my, oh my gosh, I forgot my headphones headphones that I just travel with. So I, I have the big headphones on the mittens, and then there's a star on the butte with the rays coming out. I, I think the logo is so cool that it says Doug Franz Unplugged. I'm trying to talk CEO Chris into over here, nope, ah, over here on this side of the wall to give me a static that has the logo on it, and then I want to build lockers that cover up this window over here and then hang some jerseys uh, back there. The one thing is, as I now look at it, you have this vision because there's so much room back here, but when I look over my shoulders, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for a whole bunch of jerseys. So hopefully we can get that set up. And then there's a guy here, uh, Sales Suit, uh, whatever his real name is, but Sales Suit, he just walks around. I don't really know what Sales Suit does. He shows up once or twice a week, something like that. And uh, he came up to me yesterday with this glorious idea. He goes, yeah, I have an autograph ball from Ronaldo. I have, uh, I have this jersey. I have a Mike Trout jersey. I have this jersey. I have this jersey. I have this jersey. All these autographs. Uh, if you want, you know, we can put it up on your set. I, do you realize there's cleaning crews that walk around here? Their sales suit? I think they're going to see a Ronaldo autograph. Oh, it's all right. <laughs> okay. I, I, I almost wanted him to sign a waiver. Listen, I am not going to hold Doug Franz responsible when all the stuff I just gave Doug Franz for his set disappears. I'm a little worried, but hey, knock yourself out. Uh, the, the studio continues to get better and better. We continue to clean out areas. I say we, everybody else is doing the work. And, uh, and then behind the camera right now is a green screen. So I'm excited to try to pretend to know what I'm doing on a green screen and, uh, and start running some plays and stuff like that. I have no idea how that'll look. And then Izzy, I don't know if there's any way to do this, but when the day comes that we have moving cameras and I do green screen stuff, if I'm trying to run a pick and roll or I'm trying to run a football play, I might need, you know, a, a tackle dummy. So I, see, I, I don't know if it's available, but you're going to have to either leave the control room and join me, which is kind of scary to have no one in the control room, or... Uh, do you suggest that we plan ahead and when we need a tackle dummy, those are the mornings that Jeff comes in early again? What do you, what, what's best? Yeah, I think we might need to pull Jeff in as okay, well. Okay, so we'll yeah. do that. So yeah. Jeff Weir production will now officially be Jeff Weir tackle dummy when, uh, when I'm up in front of, uh, of the green screen. So yesterday, what I was talking about today, I got every, I was so happy. I got so much done yesterday while i was here in studio and uh, i don't i don't want to fight traffic when uh, you know i can work i can do a lot of work from home so i left here i forget what time it was about 12 45 1 something like that and then on my way home it was just so gorgeous 
So I thought, well, instead of taking a lunch hour, I'll take a lunch driving range. And so I, I went to the wigwam, started hitting some balls, and then I was feeling great. Just feeling great. My back's been a mess lately, and it was okay. Started feeling great, and the wigwam has three courses, and nobody was on, it seemed like nobody was on one of the courses. So I thought, well, you know, I'll just play a couple holes, see what happens. And I was a disaster because they told me, please catch up with this twosome that's three holes ahead. So I'm trying to chase them. I never catch up with them. I'm playing absolutely terribly. I finally catch up to them, and I know them. And they say, hey, we're on a date, okay? We don't want you joining us. <laughs> Go away. And I said, oh, okay. They let me play through. I got through 11 holes in about an hour and 15 minutes. It was crazy. There's nobody in front of me. And then right when I got to 12, I hit a ton of people. And I, my back started hurting a little bit. And I said, that's it. I'm done. My score would have been easily 110. It was awful how bad I was playing, and I hit a bunch of people. I got to tell you how happy I was. It was really like a lunch hour, so I like a business lunch hour. You know how well, they're, they're never an hour. So I basically was on the driving range for about 20 minutes, played about an hour and 20 minutes of golf. I'm back home in two hours from when I got off the interstate, and then I started working. And I, and I worked from about, I don't know, 4 o'clock until 11 last night. And I said, I'm done here. It was an awesome day. I was, I was pretty jacked up, even though my golf game was, it's getting worse. It's just so, so frustrating. Izzy, you've lived here long enough. When are you going to start golfing? Uh, when it starts becoming fun. <laughs> <laughs> just, That's a great line. <laughs> yeah, I just can't, I'm just not a fan of it yet. Mm. I gotta, it's going to take me a minute. Yeah, well, here's the thing. You, you played baseball. How, how far did your baseball career go? Did you play varsity? Yes. Okay. So if you've already, you will tap into your baseball. So even though it's two totally different swings, you will tap into that once you start playing. Because you remember what it's like, that one feeling that you hit when you hit the ball perfectly flush. Yes. Like, like I hit a home run off of Doug Spizak. I have I have a countless number of home runs in T-ball, but I only had one Little League home run and I had one high school home run. And man, that feeling when you hit it, when you feel that in golf, it's like, okay, I, I, I want to stay in this. And then if you ever go out and play 18 holes, your score, Izzy, will be so bad that it will fuel you like nothing else because I know you have competitive fire in there. And it will be like, I, you won't be able to handle stinking at something, and it'll, it'll force you to come back. I guarantee it. See, I'm, I've heard that before, but even then, I'm like, why would I go, continue to go to a place that just makes me angrier? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I admit, this is funny. I, I didn't start playing until the, uh, the, the, the 24-year-old, the oldest. She, was, she loved it at like four or five, hitting a plastic set that my parents got her. I never played till we moved here. And so I only started playing because she did, but she is like salt of the earth and couldn't stand the fact that I would get mad on the course. And then she quit playing. But now the, uh, the rest of us in the family play. But the thing for me was it's kind of joyous. Like your life is going so well that you can get furious about golf. And that's how I look at it. And I like, I love the competition against myself. 
because I didn't realize what a mental midget I am until I got on the golf course and how other people screwing around drive me crazy. But the beer is cold and it's a wonderful. And then if you become a dad, Izzy, oh my gosh, the four hours in the cart talking to your kid about life, it's fantastic. So whenever you decide to buy some cheap clubs, then you're coming out with me and then you're playing at Whirlwind. You will go to Whirlwind sometime when the Unplugged Army is out there and, and I'll teach you the game in a way that that keeps the pace slow. All right. I promise you. All right. Say no more. I'll be down. All right. Good. Good. We're going to do that. So. Speaking of golf and everything that's going on, February 3rd, we are, uh, I will be, uh, obviously, Izzy, Jeff Weir Production, anybody here at WTSM that wants to come, I'd love to have you. But the Unplugged Army is having an unsanctioned event. I'll be there at around noon. We're going to be at Burrito Express, the new location, Kyrene in South Tempe. Please be a part of it. Love to see you out there. Um, It's going on all morning and afternoon, so you don't have to be there at noon. Please try to stop by, say hi to Angel, tell him thanks for being a a part of the Unplugged Army for as long as he has, as uh, he was one of the originals, one of the three original sponsors of Doug Franz Unplugged when we started this journey, all the way back at the end of 2021. So thank you, Angel, and I can't wait to say thank you again coming up on Saturday, and I hope the Unplugged Army can get out there. And then February 23rd, it's a Friday afternoon, we're going to just be taking over everything at whirlwind i love sweet lou i have no there you go thank you oh my gosh when am i gonna get this right i had it right in the old studio and then for some reason in here i struggle with it but um we're gonna be there uh, sweet lou has not been able to up, uh, update unplugged at whirlwind.com yet so i want to let you know that and i know the problem the reason for this idea is i wanted to set it up where it's in conjunction with the spa they have a five-star world-class spa as part of Wild Horse Pass. And I want it in a sense that you can give a gift on Valentine's Day. So if you're thinking of what to do for Valentine's Day, I hope you hold your money. And then I want to create an outing where you can golf and either you and her later that night go to the spa. Maybe you spend the night at Wild Horse Pass and you go to the spa in the morning. Or maybe she's at the spa while you golf. Whatever works for you and your family. But I want it to be an awesome date for you and your spouse so that's why we're setting this up but he has to coordinate that with the spa and the hotel then you're waiting for people to get back to you and he likes to take care of us so he's probably even negotiating a sweet deal so there's a lot that goes into this and right now it's not done so first of all i'm sorry because i'm the one pushing poor sweet lou and i when we set this up in uh mid-january he he could have told me, man, this is too short of a turnaround for me to get all that together. But I just, I, I, we haven't gotten together in so long. I wanted to do it. I had the idea. So thanks for your patience. And uh, hopefully I'll get you signed up very, very soon for, uh, for golf. Sound credits today. Do you know, uh, Izzy, where you got the, um, what station it was where we got the Jason Kidd? Uh, yeah, it was a downbeat. Down, oh, okay, wow. That might be the, uh, the YouTube link or uh, the Instagram post. I don't know the radio station he was on, but I can oh. find that. And then Rory was specifically from, PG, from the PGA Tour, but I don't know if you got it from a specific website. Was it ESPN.com that we took it from? Yes, sir. Okay, good. So we got that from, uh, from ESPN.com. And then I didn't ask you this. Do you have a four-minute cut for Rory and a full quote from Rory, too? 
Yes, sir. Okay, good. I, I'll slide that in a little bit later because I didn't put that uh, in the rundown. And- I, th- uh, I think we're all set. All right, let's roll. Doug's big one. Doug's big one today. You, you hate to admit it when you're wrong about something, but you have to. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's the way of the world. And I have to admit that out of every human being on planet Earth, the person I missed out on, on his character, more than any other person, is Herm Edwards. I, I can't tell you enough about how good that man was to me before he took the head coaching job at Arizona State. I don't know how I lucked into getting his number. I had a friend who, who was a friend of a friend who had Herm's number. And I got Herm's phone number, texted him while he was an employee at ESPN. We had met multiple times. My last year as a talk show host in Kansas City was his first year as head coach. So I, was, I had been at a bunch of press conferences. I had talked to him quite a few times. And he used to be an assistant coach with the Chiefs for a time when a friend of mine played for the Chiefs. So I was at some charitable functions with him, and that's how I felt like I got to know him. And a lot of the people that I knew loved Herm Edwards. I thought he was a really good person. Then when I got his cell phone number and began a text relationship with him, I enjoyed texting back and forth to talk football every now and then. Then he started coming on the old show. And it was great. He brought a lot of energy to the old show. We really enjoyed it. Then the rumor started that Ray Anderson was going to hire him as the head coach of Arizona State. So we texted him and asked him to come on the show because he normally comes on the show all the time. Just to let you know, in every experience in mankind's history, when somebody is rumored to take a job and you ask him to come on the show, the answer is no. The answer is no every single time. And sometimes they're very honest about it. Doug, I'm afraid I might say something to screw this up, and I think I've got a chance. Or it could be, hey, sorry, brother. I've always been there for you, but not this time. And they kind of make a joke about it, but I understand. Herm Edwards said yes. He came on the old show as he was getting ready to get on a plane for Phoenix to talk about the job. Now, obviously, as we know now, he already had the job. But truth be told, that was a strong move by Herm Edwards. And man, was he classy every morning to have on the show. Then we found out about the attache. And we found out about the cheating that was going on at Arizona State. We found out about there is camera footage of him being in the weight room while there's a women's basketball game going on. Not ASU, just a game in general. You might be saying, well, what does that matter? Well, the game was being played in the middle of COVID, so you have a timestamp of exactly when Herm Edwards was talking to a recruit in the weight room when he wasn't supposed to be. All of that's, of course, allegedly, but that's what some of the information that's all been put together to document the cheating that was going on at ASU. You can sit here and argue all day long whether or not every school was violating the terms of COVID. You can argue all day long that every school was doing something. It doesn't change the fact that ASU got caught by a man that built his entire reputation on having a great reputation. We know he's a fraud now. I know he's a fraud now. And that hurts because not only do I did I have great respect for Herm Edwards, 
this is going to sound odd. I really enjoyed liking him. I liked lifting him up on a pedestal. We shouldn't do that with any human being. But Herm Edwards seemed different. He just seemed like he really was above the fray. He really was somebody that you could count on that was good and righteous. And then to find out about the cheating scandal, maybe you can wipe it away. Maybe you can feel like everybody was doing it and he had to do it to compete. Maybe you can feel like he just got wrapped up into the excitement of winning and all of us have failed at some point. All of us have done something that we terribly regret because we allowed outside forces to dictate to us what our character stood for. All of us want to pretend to be a character-filled person who will never be influenced by others. But it's not true. All of us have had moments in our lives where we proved undoubtedly that we were human. Herm Edwards did that too. But right when I wanted to let it go, suddenly yesterday he said on ESPN Radio, quote, I always knew what kind of quarterback Purdy was going to be. I recruited him out of high school, but he ended up going to Iowa. Thanks, Tim Ring, for catching that. Tim Ring tweeted that out and Twitter went ablaze. That's 100% categorically untrue. That's not even revisionist history. There's no history that has that story other than the history in Herm Edwards' mind. Either Herm Edwards is a dishonest fool that cannot be trusted whatsoever, or he just simply makes up stuff in his head and lies to himself and thinks it's true. Either way, It proves once again what a disastrous tenure the Anderson-Edwards era was. And there's one person to blame for it, and he's still employed, and that is Dr. Crow. The truth is about, about Brock Purdy, you do have to start earlier. Todd Graham, I think, did a good job as head coach of Arizona State. One thing he did a terrible job was of building the fence. He used to talk about it. Everybody that's come in here to Arizona talks about it of making sure Arizona kids go to Arizona. Todd Graham did a a great job with D.J. Foster, but missed out on Christian Kirk, didn't do a good enough job creating relationships with the high school coaches locally, and was more worried about finding players in Texas, both self-servingly in case his career ever ended up in Texas, but also because as a Texan, he believed Texas high school talent was much better than Phoenix High School talent and thought he needed that talent to grow ASU. Even if it's true that Texas talent is better than ASU talent, or excuse me, Arizona talent, it doesn't change the fact you cannot build a successfully sustained program at Arizona State without owning the state of Arizona first. Yes, you need California. Yes, you need Texas. But it is stupid to abandon Arizona. And I say that about a friend of mine. Todd Graham made a terrible mistake in not doing a better job in the state of Arizona. He started the problems with Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy would have gone to Arizona State in a heartbeat. The Perry product wanted to go to Arizona State. And Todd Graham's staff didn't want him. Before I go further, let me put my heart on the table and admit to you the biggest mistake I have ever made as a talk show host. I was a talk show host in Huntsville, Alabama. I lived in the little town of Athens, Alabama, which is the home of Philip Rivers. 
Philip Rivers was the starting quarterback at Athens High School. His father was the coach. He was also the starting safety before knee damage in his career. He was actually a reasonably good athlete. He was recruited by both Alabama and Auburn to be a safety, not a quarterback. I was the play-by-play voice of a school called Bob Jones, which is now a power. They were not a power when I was there. Maybe it was the play-by-play guy's fault. But I did two of Phillip Rivers' high school games because they played Athens High School. And when I saw Phillip Rivers, the quarterback, I was really impressed as a high school quarterback. My opinion, however, was that throwing motion, and if you remember it, Charger fans, was a disaster. He shot put the football. And my opinion was that shot put throwing motion is never going to make it in the SEC and quit dreaming of the NFL, young man. You should stay and take the Alabama-Auburn scholarship offer and play safety and give up this dream of being quarterback. Yes, that was my opinion. I'm embarrassed to admit it now. I've never been more wrong as a talk show host. He did not change that throwing motion, and he was successful at NC State with an enormous upset of Ohio State, I believe. If my memory is not serving me correctly, then they had a close loss. But he had a great college career at NC State, showing me I was a fool for thinking that he needed to go to Alabama or Auburn and then became a San Diego Charger legend and deserves every ounce of credit as player and man that Phillip Rivers became and has become and continues to be. But that was my worst opinion. I bring that up to you because I understand why Todd Graham and other people missed on Brock Purdy. There was nothing about Brock Purdy at Perry High School athletically slash arm strength slash all of the metaphysical things we think our eyes see that made you believe this guy is going to be a Super Bowl quarterback. Except two things. One, his heart. Two, his intellect. And what do those two things do? They just plain win. Every person like Todd Graham, Herm Edwards, and even me Although I barely, I never saw Brock Purdy play a high school game. All, of, all the people that saw him, that thought they knew football, didn't realize the guy just plain wins. And he's had to prove it every step of the way. Going to Iowa State, not a quarterback factory. Then being Mr. Irrelevant, meaning 32 teams said no thank you 256 times to Brock Purdy. Then, when he actually does get drafted, he's basically fighting for a third-string job. And now he's a starting quarterback and possible Super Bowl champion. Although I will never root for the San Francisco 49ers, I do root for Brock Purdy. I hope he throws for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and everybody else, maybe not Brandon Ayuk, who touches the ball, fumbles. And fumbles all the time. And that's how the Chiefs win. I hope it's not on the shoulders of Brock Purdy that a Chiefs victory is built. Having said all that, the important point to look at is a lot of people missed on Brock Purdy. That's not the sin here. But the revisionist history of Herm Edwards trying to act like he knew this man was going to be successful. And it was Brock Purdy that chose Iowa, even though he didn't coach, he chose Iowa State had something to do with Brock? No. It had everything to do with a terrible decision by Todd Graham and you compounding that decision. You walked into ASU and did not immediately recruit 
Brock Purdy. Then, after a bunch of schools started to figure out, wow, this kid wins, ASU said, fine, we'll finally flip him one of our last scholarships, well after the damage had already been done. If you knew he was going to be successful, you would have recruited him when you first walked on campus. You didn't. That's another expose on your character, Herm Edwards. And it's sad to say, it just goes right along with what we found out about you after we thought you knew you. This is another prime example of the failure of our Board of Regents. Now, you might say, wait a minute, how can you link the Board of Regents to Herm Edwards' off-the-cuff comment on ESPN Radio revising the history about Brock Purdy? I make that leap for this reason. It proves once again the lack of character that was running Arizona State and the scheme put forth by Ray Anderson and put forth by Herm Edwards to dupe everybody. Dr. Crow, you had to be either coaching it or condoning it. Dr. Crow, you wanted this system. It blew up in your face. And right now you're paying Ray Anderson to still teach the youth of America the ethics of being a lawyer. While Herm Edwards, you paid $4 million to go away and did not fire him with cause, saving the athletic department $4 million and by proxy taxpayers $4 million. And yet the Board of Regents doesn't have the courage to do what's right. If there's ever a state that needs new leadership from the presidential positions of our universities, it's the state of Arizona. All right, coming up next. Excited to talk a lot of NFL, a lot of Suns, a little bit of golf. We've got a lot to do today. Coming up next, I want to talk about the ASU and the U of A football schedules. And then I want to dive into Suns. Brooklyn's got some stats that should worry you about tonight's game. But it doesn't worry Vegas. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. 
Just saw something on Twitter that I thought was pretty cool. There's a guy named Brian Knight. I follow him on Twitter. Motivational speaker, but I, I admit, if I was a motivational speaker, my number one message would be, get out of here. Do you realize the people that are out there doing it don't need a motivational speaker? <laughs> I don't know how long I'd make it as a motivational speaker, but I, I would be sitting there saying, listen, I just want to explain all this to you. People that are motivated are out there doing it. People that are unmotivated are sitting here listening to a motivational speaker. Thanks, pay me now. And then I'd walk out. But having said that, he doesn't say cheesy things. They're real actual realities. And I kind of like this one he just put up. E plus R equals O. Now, it sounds like E equals MC squared, but it's E plus R equals O. And it's events plus response equals outcome. And Nick Saban uses that. And Nick Saban says, set the outcome first. What is it that you want? It's kind of like that reverse addition that you would do as a kid to try to teach you that addition has a symbiotic relationship with subtraction. So imagine a math problem. Boy, if you hate math, you're already mad at me. But imagine a math problem that says 12 plus blank equals 14, let's say. And you've got to sit there and figure out, okay, what, what goes in the blank? So even though it's an addition problem, you've got to do subtraction for the most part. Now, maybe some of you went, okay, 12, 13, 14. Oh, and you use your fingers. But, you know, I would be the one that says, oh, if I've got to get to 14 and I'm at 12, 14 minus 12 is two, boom, there it is. I bring that up because the way that he explains this is events are something that have already happened. Outcome is what you expect, what you want to happen. So now what's your response to these events? Now that the events have already occurred, how are you going to respond to it to still get the exact outcome you're demanding of yourself? You know, I I like that. I like that. So therefore, what's your outcome? Whether it's today, whether it's this week, whether it's 2024, what's the outcome you expect? All right. Work to get it. And then as the events unfold of 2024, adjust your response. The outcome shouldn't change. If that's what you want, why change your future outcome of 2024? But you better understand your response to those events is going to be what affects it. If you expect to make more money in 2024 and bad events happen right now, you're either changing the outcome on your own and don't blame anybody else for changing the outcome. Or you've got to adjust what, your responsibilities. You've got to adjust your response to those events. That's kind of unplugged army stuff there. You know, how, how are you going to handle it? But I like that. I thought that was good. Let me dive into football schedules real quick before I talk sons. ASU and U of A had their football schedules come out from the Big 12. And I'll take a look at the ASU football schedule first. One thing that I found interesting. Oh, thank you. Uh, Izzy, Izzy and, and Jeff Weir Production put up. Uh, a listing of the schedule. One of the things I found the most interesting about both team schedules is in order to fix the problem of travel, both ASU and U of A have a buy immediately following their biggest trip. So right now, if you're watching on WTSMTV.com, at the bottom of the screen, you see at Cincinnati. What's interesting is ASU has a bye weekend right after that. So that's their longest trip of the season. 
They go out to Cincinnati. Then they have a bye weekend to recover. The season starts in the last weekend of August. That's a Saturday. It'll be a home against Wyoming. Wyoming has been to Arizona twice. Notice I said Arizona. They've had back-to-back years going to the Barstool Bowl, which is in Tucson. Two years ago, they lost to your Ohio Bobcats. <laughs> that was the game when the Ohio Bobcats coach's wife flipped me off. Proud of that. And then uh, they went down there, and I think they beat that other team from Oxford. Uh, I can't remember who, but Wyoming beat somebody last year in that bowl game. So that's them. Then an SEC game against Mississippi State, which is a nice get to play the the uh, um, play Mississippi State. Then there's a game against Texas State, and I think that was set up because at the time of the contract, ASU never had any idea they were going to be playing Texas schools in the Big 12. So they were hoping to set up a one-and-one home-and-home with a team from Texas. Now you have your first Big 12 game of the season, which is at Texas Tech. Your first home game ever is against Kansas. And that's kind of funny because Kansas has been a dog for years, and now Kansas is actually pretty decent. One interesting thing is ASU – did not get a game against Colorado. So they got a Utah game. They got a U of A game. They'll always have the U of A game. That's a fixed game. And they got the BYU game, but they didn't get the Colorado game. And uh, other games on the schedule, they're, uh, they got their bye week. They're at Oklahoma State, home against Central Florida, at K-State, home against BYU, and then at U of A. If we look at the U of A schedule, it's kind of similar in the fact that they start with two home games. However, their uh, first home game, their first two home games, they're kind of dogs. So they don't have a challenge game against Mississippi State like ASU does. They're home against New Mexico. That's a dog. Home against NAU. But their road game is a much bigger challenge. That's at K-State. And I believe that's not a conference game. I think that game was previously scheduled as a non-conference game, and therefore the conference kept it as a non-conference game. I'd have to look that up. I know that's a little weird, but I don't think that's a conference game. Then they have their bye week, and one of their bye weeks, and then they play the rest of their schedule. They start off their first Big 12 game is against a Pac-12 team. They're at Utah. Their longest trip is is going to be at the beginning of November, and they go all the way out to Orlando to take on UCF. And just like ASU, they then have a bye week. And then they uh, end the road trip at TCU, but they have a home game to end the season against ASU. One of the things that's kind of funny to me, and I think the Big 12 really missed out on something, U of A plays West Virginia. If you're looking, if you're watching me here on WTSMTV.com, that's dead in the middle of your screen. I, the w- two aspects of the schedule that I think the Big 12 should have done a better job of, I think ASU should have been able to play Colorado. I do totally believe that. And I look at the U of A schedule, and I think they made uh, a little bit of a, of a mistake there in – in a, in a lack of balance at, at some point. No, it was ASU that has a lack of balance. I like the fact that U of A plays West Virginia, but here's where the miss is. 
Ray Anderson was still the athletic director when you were working on this schedule. Why why didn't ASU go to West Virginia? Once that ridiculous comment from Ray Anderson, that amazing elitist comment, I'm not going to Morgantown, came out, that should have been a guarantee. ASU goes to Morgantown. If I'm U of A, I can't believe how well things have gone, other than, of course, Dr. Robbins, in the last, say, three weeks. You lose your head coach, and you should have lost. The assumption was you were going to lose almost every player, and you really didn't do that bad. You kept your main core together despite losing your head coach. Then you get a schedule that's really not bad. If you can pull the upset at K-State, you're looking really good for a stretch. All of those games are extremely winnable if you've got a good head coach the rest of the way. I don't have the courage to pick it. But that's the type of schedule where you could actually make a run at winning the conference. That K-State game is going to be huge. But if you can win at K-State, then you've got to win at Utah. I'm not saying that, that either of those places are easy to, to win. Not, I'm not saying that at all. But if you, if you don't start 0-2, look out. Look out, U of A. That's kind of an exciting schedule for you. You got to see this. Last night, there was a massive upset. North Carolina, a loser at Georgia Tech, 74-73. Izzy, if you could, do me a favor and run the end of that game with North Carolina having the lead. About a four-second differential. Haycott in this high pick and roll. Shot clock at five. George drives, goes in, scores! Tech's on top, 7.7. Hubert Davis wants a timeout, 4.6 to go. Puts him in a situation where he has to guard a dynamic guard, and what a shot. Seth Trimble will inbound the ball. Gets it to Baycott. Wow. Handing it to R.J. Davis. Davis for the lead. The tip is over! He got fouled. Did they call the foul? No. <laughs> oh, it's a no call. No call. The wow. game is over, and Georgia Tech has knocked off the number three team in the country, North Carolina. So number three and number five went down, and two weeks ago we had one, th- one two, three, five, and I think nine all went down. So if you are not good at college basketball, number one, this is the year to fill out an NCAA tournament bracket. People like me that watch this stuff all the time, we don't have any idea. Nobody has any idea this year because of the amount of upsets that are happening. Because it's also a case where you can look at talent and assume the talent is going to gel at the end of the year, but with the transfer portal, it takes a long time to gel. But it might be a case to just look at the juniors and seniors or anybody that's got experience on one team. What was interesting to me on that last play is the inbounds play that was drawn up by Hubert Davis was fantastic. That was a great inbounds pass. And you had a pretty good look at at a bucket. But it was forced at the end. And what, and what I mean by saying it was forced is you had the inbounds to Baycott. Baycott is UNC's big guy in the middle. And he's a wonderful player, going to have a, a, a great um, career. But then 
It was a quick dump down or a quick, uh, I want to say a dribble handoff, but a quick handoff, if I can call it that, to be able to create a great shot attempt. The problem was is once it's there, it's got to be taken from there. Where are you open? And that's what didn't happen. So it's a great lesson to be able to figure that out. If you saw it there at the end, Baycott catches it at the elbow and R.J. Davis, who's the really good guard for UNC, flashed to the ball. You flash to the ball, everybody runs with you. And then it's similar to a dribble handoff, even though Baycott didn't dribble the ball, that you plant as the ball goes into Baycott and then you run around Baycott. And R.J. Davis got the ball and was wide open at the elbow. And instead of pulling up right there where he was open, he drove into the coverage and then had to force up a tough layup attempt. That was that's one of those lessons where you think I've got to get to the cup when no, don't be greedy. And it's really cool to see if kids can learn from that because you're in such a hurry. You want to rush. You think you've got to get all the way to the lane. And that's just you being too quick instead of worrying about the clock. Read the defense. You've got to know the clock that you've got seven seconds on that inbound. When you catch that, when Baycott hands you that ball, you're going to get the ball at about the five-second mark. You're going to have plenty of time in five seconds to just simply take what's the best shot. Now, if you're way back on you and you're in, uh, inbounding the ball from your own basket, that's different. That's totally different. To be able to get from seven seconds all the way up, you're not going to have as much time by the time you get there. But when you inbound it from the side, it's called a sob. Some people call it a sob. It's inside out of bounds. It's going to be easy. And that's where R.G. Davis got rushed. So I look at a game like that, and other people might say, UNC isn't as good or don't trust UNC. I'm going to go the exact opposite right now. I'm going to say in that pressure situation, Davis didn't choke. It was just a bout of inexperience. Just take what the defense gives you when you've got that much time. He's going to be better for it, which to me means North Carolina will be able to handle a close game. So if they are, if they win their first game against the 16 seed, now they're up against the 8-9 seed, and it's a scary close game, it's not going to be all that worrisome to North Carolina that the crowd's going crazy because the crowd always roots for a number one to go down. They always root for the underdog. I don't think UNC has to worry about that in the NCAA. Tournament. The reason why is they just played at Georgia Tech, a team that should never beat them, and again, didn't choke, but didn't do all that was necessary due to lack of experience. Now they've got it. Look out for UNC doing something um, in the NCAA tournament because I, th- I think that they will be fantastic. Let's talk Suns. Suns are on the road. They're taking on Brooklyn coming up tonight. Uh, Tip-off is, I believe, at 5.30. Do you mind if I cheat and and look that up real quick? Um, Suns, 6.30. I wasn't even close. Suns are on at 6.00. Really? 6.30? Is that right? (laughs) Now, do you mind if I look up if I've even got my notes right? Because I don't believe that at all. Suns at uh, at 6.30. Because that would be 8.30 in Brooklyn. That's why I don't believe it. And I'm getting 6.30 as well. Wow. Oh, okay. I see why. It'll be locally if you want to watch it. It'll, of course, be on 3TV. They've got the contract. 
but it'll also be on ABC 15. So it's a nationally broadcasted game. So they want Brooklyn in the heart of primetime to have it at 8.30 Eastern time. That, okay, so that makes sense. That just I, don't, I was thinking, why would the world would the Nets schedule a game at 8.30? They didn't. ESPN and ABC did. The NBA did. So that's why. Thank you for looking that up, Izzy. So in this game, there's some interesting stuff to look at, okay? You not only know it's three games and four nights, that's, that's tough on the legs for an older team. But also, Brooklyn is the fifth best team in basketball in offensive rebounds. And the Suns are terrible at keeping people off the boards. It's one of their major weaknesses, especially if Nurkic is still having the thumb issue. He should be able to play. But I look at that stat. I also care about assist-to-turnover ratio. How well are you sharing the ball? How well is the ball moving? How much are you forcing one-on-ones? And if you do one-on-ones, that's how turnovers happen. Brooklyn is seventh best in basketball at assist-to-turnover ratio. The Suns are 24th best. It's a 30-team league. There's only six teams in the entire NBA worse at sharing the ball than the Suns. Now, in the last game, the big three had a 20-2 assist-to-turnover ratio. That's insane. That's insane. That's a fantastic number. So if that's the trend going forward, then, of course, the Suns are okay. But looking at it so far over the course of the season, that's a terrible number. You combine three games and four nights you with um, the stats of Brooklyn being very good on the glass offensively, a weakness of the Suns, then – show that Brooklyn shares the ball better, meaning the Suns' defense is going to have to go laterally an awful lot. And the Suns, for the most part, now granted, the majority of their games were without the big three. That does lead to a little bit more one-on-one basketball. But all signs would point to a Brooklyn win. And the money line, I usually don't know gambling in the middle of the show, but for those of you that hate gambling and don't like the conversation, I do, I'm not telling you what to do or whether or not people should gamble, but I do think it's relevant because the experts are Vegas. I mean, if they don't do a good job predicting what's going to happen, casinos lose money. If you're not good at setting the line, you get fired. Okay, there's no, there's, it's just scoreboard at the end of the day. What did you say was going to happen? What really happened? What were the reasons why? If there's an injury during the game, okay, all bets are off. Nobody gets mad at you. But if there was injury information before the game and you didn't have the sources to know it, you're not a you're not a great guy. You know, we, we got to find somebody else. That's what these guys do. So the professionals are saying it's a three point favorite for the Suns. The professionals are saying if you bet one hundred dollars on the Suns, I'll give you one hundred and twenty. Excuse me. If you bet one hundred dollars on Brooklyn, I'll give you one hundred and twenty four dollars if they win. That's the positive juice. Vegas, that's what Vegas thinks of Brooklyn tonight. Yet the stats show that Brooklyn will win. That means Vegas is actually kind of sold on the positives of where they think the Suns are going. That's kind of interesting. If you're a Suns fan, that should make you feel a little better of some of the problems. I'm I'm not seeing it because I see a young, hustling Brooklyn team 
that will outwork the Suns, which leads to the Suns getting fatigued, especially in three games and four nights. And most importantly, that can lead to bad fourth quarters. And you're already dealing with one of the worst fourth quarter teams in basketball. The one advantage the Suns do have is they're better at three-point percentage defense. So they're better at keeping you uh, off the three or making your shots from the three-point line while Brooklyn is average. So if I am a gambler, I'm looking today at some Grayson Allen props, which means if the Suns are going to win, like if you're a Suns fan, you believe the Suns are going to win, then I think you exploit Brooklyn's three-point defense and you've got to get the ball to Grayson Allen. So I don't see a game today where the Suns win and Grayson Allen has three or four points. Granted, the way Booker's playing, Booker could go off for 60 again, and who knows, especially with him being in the New York market. But And I think he's on a push to prove everybody wrong that didn't vote him as an all-star and, at the same time, make sure that he's an all-star reserve. So you get him in the major media market of New York. He's going crazy. He's going to want a ton of attention. He's going to be all over it. If you like the Suns, I really like Grayson Allen going off. And I like, um, uh, uh, I would say, uh, Devin Booker going off. The reason why I'm going to cheat for a second is I want to look at player point props right now. And again, this is not versus Vegas. Please, those of you that hate gambling, stay with me because I'm only using this to show you what Vegas thinks about tonight as a preview of the game, and I think they are the experts. Devin Booker is sitting at an over-under of 29.5. That means you've got to decide, do you think Book will score 30 points, or do you think Book will score less than 29 points? Since I think the Suns are going to lose, and listen, I'm not betting on this game, just to let you know, because I don't want blood money. I don't want to be rooting against the Suns so I make money. I'd rather be a fan. But I don't think the Suns are going to win, and therefore part of that key is the Nets playing good defense on Booker. So I like an under on Devin Booker, but if you're a hardcore Suns fan and you like to bet with your wallet, I think you should love Booker on the over. Because of his quest to be an all-star reserve, he's in the New York media market. He's definitely going to want to score over 30. What I don't see right now is a line that's set on the over-under for, in any way, for, um, at least on DraftKings, for Grayson Allen. And that's the one that I would look out for. I would look for Grayson Allen because if you believe the Suns are going to win, jump all over Grayson Allen. You know, since I'm talking about all-star reserves, Izzy, can I throw you a curveball? I was going to talk about Jason Kidd. I will in a minute. But I'd rather talk about all-star reserves. Yep. Okay. Um, this is kind of an interesting thing. I think a lot of you have already seen the starting lineups for the all-star game. And that's voted on mostly by the fans, but the media and players do get a vote. All-star reserves are coaches in which the coaches do the bulk of the work here. And Izzy, I want to shock you with something because this is going to be a little crazy here of the amount of talent that's going to be left off the roster. You get 12 roster spots for the Western Conference. Five are taken up with starters. Do me a favor and show me, since we're talking about Book and and why he might go off tonight against Brooklyn, show me the backcourt right now of the Western Conference, okay? So here are some names that are potential 
to go in. None of these five guys are starters, and they're having fantastic seasons. Now, you've got to choose two of them. You get two players for your backcourt based on the season that they've had so far. So if you're a coach, who are you going to choose? For me, I'm going to choose for right now for my two that I get, I'm going to choose Devin Booker and Steph Curry. That's my two. Where are you going, Izzy? I... Oh, man. I, I think I'm going to have to go Steph Curry and Anthony Edwards on this one. I, mm. I love me some Anthony Edwards this season. Now, here's the thing. that I, It's funny that you say that. I love the pick of Anthony Edwards, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. And here's why. Because I I want De- – if, if I'm a coach coaching against anybody on this list – I'm worried sick about Steph Curry, Devin Booker, and Anthony Edwards going off on my team. More than I'm worried about D. Fox and Harden. D. Fox can do it, but sometimes you can trick D. Fox into shooting too many threes, and then the team as a whole, the Kings aren't as good to me when he does that. Harden, uh, he's still a great player, but he's... Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, he's he's feeding them. I'm not too worried about Harden going off on me as much as I am as Anthony Edwards wanting to own me. So I'm going to take Curry and Booker for right now, but hold your Anthony Edwards thought. So right now, keep in mind, this isn't going to shock you if you're a fan of the main event with Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestray, is he doesn't have right now Devin Booker as an all-star. Okay, keep that in mind. Now show me the front court. The front court you get three players out of this front court, okay? So out of everybody that's there in the front court, you get to choose three. For me, as much as I can't stand Anthony Davis, he's having the season that deserves it. I'm going to choose Anthony Davis. I'm going to choose Kawhi Leonard. And then it gets unbelievably tough. If you're a U of A fan, you might know how well Markkanen's doing. But if you're not... Markkinen is fantastic this year. Rudy Gobert is having a wonderful defensive year, doing a good job on lobs and scoring occasionally, but he's on the number one team in the West. So shouldn't that be considered? He's a winner. But you've already got Carl Anthony Towns and somebody like uh, Izzy has already put Anthony Edwards on the team. Do you really think that they deserve three guys? So my three right now, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Carl Anthony Towns are the three I'm putting in. Who's your front court, Izzy? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Anthony Davis right here. I do agree. And he's definitely been – I mean, he's definitely gotten injured a couple Can't times. Can't stand but him, but yes, yes. Yeah, it's definitely a whole lot healthier this season. Uh-huh. Uh, I got to go Paul George with this one. I think Paul George has definitely had a uh, really okay. good season. Uh, definitely a resurgence in his career. And, yeah, I, I got to give the nod to Laurie Marketing. I've been a wow, huge fan okay. of Laurie Marketing. I'm impressed that you, you you knew how well he's doing. So, the three for um, – look, look how different our front court is. The three right now for Izzy, he's going with A.D. Paul George and Markkinen. Now, the last two spots, there's two more spots you get. They're irrelevant of position. So you can still fill in holes. So for my last two, two guys that I haven't chosen, I admit I am choosing Anthony Edwards. So I end up with Booker, Steph, and Anthony Edwards as my guards. And then I've already got A.D., Kawhi, and Carl Anthony Towns as my three. I'm throwing in Markkinen as my fourth. So I'm actually leaving Paul George out. 
which I don't want to deny it. When you look at his numbers, you're like, what? Well, look at the numbers of the guys I chose, okay? Still pretty darn good. But no matter who you choose as a coach, you are alienating somebody. So I don't have D. Fox, Harden, or Paul George in my group. I'm already nervous as a coach. Uh-oh, I hope those guys don't kill me. You know what? What the NBA should do is they should flip it. They should make the Eastern Conference coach coach the West. So therefore, he's alienating less people. And the Western Conference coach coaches the East because you only have to f- play those guys twice, and you've probably already played them once. So you don't have to worry about that guy going off on you as much for not picking it. So, Izzy, you are at the point where you've got Steph and Anthony Edwards as your backcourt reserves. You've got Paul George, AD, and Marketing as your three. You get two more. Any of the players that you haven't touched, who are your two more? And it's unfortunate I have to uh, move past Kawhi Leonard because of the crazy season that James Harden's had. I got to go Devin Booker and James Harden. Okay, you're going Booker and Harden. So, therefore, again, the same thing for Izzy. You look at Izzy's group, he's got no D Fox. So, therefore, next time you play, you, for you, got, you don't have Fox or Sabonis. Yep. And neither do I. So, the next time I'm coaching against the Kings, if we were the coach naming the reserves, uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. With those two together against you, neither of us went with Gobert, and I'm, I'm comfortable that we're right on that. If Carl Anthony Towns goes up against you, he's going to try to go off on you. And Kawhi Leonard. So you have officially upset D. Fox, Sabonis, Towns, and Kawhi Leonard. How are you feeling right now, Izzy? Hey, I'm feeling good. Hey, I'm, I'm feeling good about that part, at least. Kawhi Leonard might scare me a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Kawhi Leonard doesn't seem like he gets all that upset. I, I don't know. But if you look at Kawhi's number, that's, that's what's so fantastic about the Western Conference All-Stars this year. Look at that exercise we just did. If you believe strongly in somebody on this list, like I left off James Harden, you look at James Harden's numbers and the way he's brought the Clippers together, especially his assist totals this year. His assist to turnover ratio is fantastic. And I've left him off. Okay, so now if you're a Harden guy, you have a lot of good reasons to go nuts on me. Here's the problem. Who are you telling me to get rid of? Am I wrong on Ant-Man? Am I wrong on Book? Am I wrong on Steph? No way. You're not talking me out of AD, Kawhi, and and Markinen, and Carl Anthony Towns. You're not doing it. I like my group. And then there's Izzy's group. When he leaves off the combination of Fox and Sabonis as well, he leaves off Gobert. We totally agree with that. But he's saying, I'm taking Paul George. So I got to worry about Paul George when we play the Clippers. He's got to worry about Kawhi Leonard. And when you see the numbers of the groups, uh, man, they're fantastic. I'm just impressed that even though I don't uh, – did I go with uh, – yes, I did go with marketing. That we both went with marketing. His numbers are fantastic. So, may, but I got to give Izzy, you should run for political office because you've got Harden and you've got Markkinen. So now you've made both sides of the border in Arizona happy <laughs> that, that you went with U of A and ASU. And we, we owe Izzy a round of applause. He called Devin Booker an all-star. Unfortunately, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I got to be realistic. He definitely is an all-star. Yeah, that, that's the question. That's, that's what's next is naming the all-star reserves. So that goes back to the point tonight against the Suns of what Devin Booker might do because he believes in legacy. He believes that when he stood there and watched the 75th anniversary team and they went through the players and they said, a 12-time all-star and something that, that matters. 
And he's still upset about the years that he was left off the all-star team. This is important to him. But seriously, to act like, like as we sit here as Suns fans, like that's idiotic to not have Book on this team. But who are you leaving out from the backcourt? Have you seen the Anthony Edwards numbers if you're leaving him off? Have you seen what De'Aaron Fox and, and James Harden have done this year? You've got to leave two of the names of Edwards, Fox, Book, Steph, and James Harden. You've got to leave some of those names off of there. And if you actually think, you know what, the Warriors aren't doing that well, this is the year to leave Steph Curry off the list, how's that going to go when the Warriors are playing against you and you both need to try to improve your playoff seed? (laughs) Hi, I'm the coach that said you're not an all-star, Steph. Good luck tonight. Yeah, you, you can act like it doesn't matter. But yes, it does. Okay, last thing on the NBA. I, this is an area where I consider myself very weak as a talk show host. I, I have a problem when I know someone that is smarter than me, knows more than I do about a subject, is 100% dead wrong and doesn't have a clue. How do I justify that mentally? I'm saying you're wrong. Who knows more about the sport? The other guy. It doesn't matter. You're wrong. Jason Kidd, Mavericks head coach. Um, I've said this uh, before, and I'll say it, you know, for as long as I'm here, is you can't take this young man for granted. Um, he's better than Dirk. Uh, he's in the in the in the atmosphere of MJ, uh, the best to ever do it. LeBron, uh, Kobe, um, and so just to appreciate what uh, this young man's doing at the age of 24 is uh, something that Dallas has never seen. Um, and and I've said this uh, internally. He is better than Dirk. Uh, he does things that Dirk could never do. And now it's you know the opportunity of getting the right people around him to to ultimately win a championship. You just said two times that Luca is better than Dirk. Dirk won a title and had been to two. Do you feel comfortable saying that on a guy that has not made the even made the finals yet? Yeah. Uh, MJ is the same way. MJ didn't make it into his 30s. Uh, this young man is 24 and is, is breaking all the records uh, that stand in front of him. Um, and he's a winner. And uh, his ultimate goal is to to, to win a championship. And he, he will get there and not just, you know, win one, but he will win multiple uh, when it's all said and done. Okay, the predictions of what Luke is going to do in the future, what have you. Very important factual point that gets lost in history. I'd have to cheat and look it up, but I believe it was year seven that Michael Jordan won a world championship. So we remember Michael won three-peat, two years off for baseball, another three-peat. We remember the six championships for those of you that are old enough to have watched Michael. And for those of us that are old enough to have watched Michael, I I admit I totally believe Michael is the greatest player of all time. It's shocking if you ever talk to, you know, I I need to text him and get him on, Eddie Johnson, Suns color analyst. He still to this day believes Magic Johnson is the greatest player of all time. And his number one reasoning behind that, I realize for those of you that are young, it makes no sense in this world of positionless basketball now. But in the old days, everybody had a center that was at least six foot ten, Or if they weren't 6'10", they were a mountain of a man like a Moses Malone who could rebound versus anybody. 
And Magic Johnson, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar sprained his ankle in the 81, uh, not a 82 finals, he then played center. So for him to play center was such a shock that a point guard is jumping center, guarding the center. That was revolutionary. So the argument is if a point guard is playing center and you win a championship, that guy's the best ever. And he did revolutionize the point guard position. The guy's six foot nine. And he's, and he's a point guard. It still would be ridiculous to have a 6'9 point guard that, that is an offensive genius like him. So that's the difference with, uh, with Magic. I think it's Michael. And I don't think you're nuts if you go with LeBron. I understand why somebody would say LeBron. But to think Luka belongs in a discussion with Kobe, Michael, LeBron, Magic, Bird, no, no, and no. maybe Bird, but no. Here's why. There's a whole thing called defense. I, I mean, when you're talking basketball, even though later in his career, Michael let Scotty play the defense more. Michael, what he wanted to be later in his career and always early in his career was fantastic defensively. Fantastic. Bird and Magic, okay, maybe not so much, but they were better than Luka. If we're actually talking about, you said he's in the atmosphere with Michael. Now, Jason Kidd did not say he's better than Michael, but he said in the atmosphere. He's not in Jupiter's atmosphere of Michael. There's a thing called defense. Now, maybe this is, maybe we have this disagreement here because Jason Kidd never played defense either. So it doesn't matter to him at all. But Jason Kidd, you could not be more wrong. And it hurts me to talk about because I hate disagreeing with people that know the game better than I do. Who am I to disagree with Jason Kidd? But I'm right. Jason, how do you just totally dismiss defense with that ridiculous comment? That was bad. Luca is in the atmosphere of Michael Jordan. I have not, I don't know enough about astronomy to know which star in the universe has an atmosphere big enough that's going to be that way. Well, if the, I know the Jordan comment, it bothers, well, it bothers everybody because it's, it's completely false. Yes. But like, does the, does the Dirk comment bother you even more? It, it doesn't. I disagree with it, but I'm okay being that. That's in the realm, Izzy, of where I say, ah, Jason Kidd sees it every day. He knows more than I do. He was Dirk's point guard. He was He's Luca's head coach. If you say so, okay. You know, I, I do disagree with it, but it doesn't bother me. I kind of, this is going to sound funny, Izzy, as an opinionated sports talk show host. I know my place, you know? <laughs> so if Jason Kidd says he's better than Dirk, I say, ah, I think you're wrong, but okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. Kidd. Would you, can I get your beer? You know, and I, 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 I don't know what to say any more than that. The Michael thing. Oh, my gosh. No way. Because, granted, and people should know this, and this alienates a lot of people that know more about baseball than I do. I don't want designated hitters in the Hall of Fame. It's not their fault. It's a position that exists. It's a stupid position. I'm still bitter at the National League changing. But, and, and listen, Edgar Martinez could hit. Paul Molitor spent most of his career as a DH. David Ortiz uh, it could, could hit, and it's not their fault. Somebody said, you know what? Why should you have to run around? You play DH. I get it. And, but yet, baseball is twofold. And there's not a lot of players that get in for defense only. 
Ozzie Smith was okay offensively, but he wasn't good enough to make the Hall of Fame. He made the Hall of Fame strictly on defense, but at least his offense wasn't a total embarrassment. It was good enough, and the defense overcame that. But to just wipe out somebody's defense altogether, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So I don't like DHs in the Hall of Fame. But the argument against me, if you want to know, is people go, well, what about pitchers? <laughs> they don't do anything offensively. And uh, yeah, I know, that's that's such a different animal. I just have to say, please trust me. And I understand if you don't want to because there's flawed logic in my argument. With basketball, you, you can't hide. You, you have to exist defensively. I don't think Dennis Rodman belongs in the Hall of Fame. He's a rebounding what? freak. Yes, I know that. Oh, let's say here's Mr. Bull going crazy. But what does Dennis Rodman do? Like, if I take away rebounding, what does he do? You said he'll take away rebounding from Dennis Rodman. What yes. does he do? Yes. Well, I mean, in terms of being the enforcer for the Chicago Bulls, that's just okay. Easy, buddy. There, okay, if there's an enforcer <laughs> Hall of Fame, then Rick Mahorn has is has yeah, got to go. All right. <laughs> if we don't have, we, what is a Hall of Fame? If we're if we're endorsing enforcers without a Rick Mahorn or a Lucas, I, I mean, then we're lost. Now, I realize, and please, this is always important to me, when I have like a Coops Island outlandish type of opinion, there is probably, if you took basketball experts, I'm willing to bet 2% of them agree with me on Rodman. And those 2% are not well-liked, okay? <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody invites them over. I realize I am different on that. And, and, I, and I, I get ripped, and boy, Town Hall Tuesday will be a beautiful thing with uh, how many people are going to strongly disagree with me on that one. I just want more well-rounded players. And sometimes that gets thrown in my face because Bird, Larry Bird was a strange defender. When In the day of Larry Bird, you weren't allowed to play a zone defense at all. And Larry Bird cheated. He, he played his own defense all the time. He was actually a good defender off the ball, meaning he was great at – he was so smart, he kind of knew everybody else's offenses and did a good job hanging out in passing lanes. There's just one problem. It was illegal. <laughs> and they never called it. They never called illegal defense on Larry Bird. And if, man, if Larry Bird's guy had the ball, there's probably going to be a bucket. It, or, or the Celtics had to double team because Bird was not great defensively, especially later in his career when he hurt his back. Do you ever know, Izzy, why he hurt his back? Oh, uh, Larry Bird? Yeah. No. Because he's from Indiana and he was shoveling the driveway over Christmas. <laughs> what are you doing? You're Larry freaking Bird. Pay somebody. Messed up his back for the rest of his career. Shoveling the driveway. Trying to chip ice. It, it was kind of crazy. I actually went to his, uh, I went to Indiana State for one year. And he has a, like a, a whole section to oh, himself. Yeah. Statues. Yeah. Jerseys. Any type of memorabilia. It's all Larry Bird. That's my like, biggest college basketball game is I was allowed to stay up for the 79 championship game. I was only seven years old and it was Magic versus Larry. And I loved Magic. Indiana loved State versus Magic. Michigan State? Right? Yeah, yeah. 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 So Larry Bird went to IU and could not stand Bob Knight. 
Just, just they did not get along. And then he transferred to Indiana State because he wanted to be kind of be left alone. The hick from French Lick and then dominated at Indiana State and then met Magic Johnson. And then you can imagine the hype of that. It, Magic was showboating. It, Mag, Michigan State was fun. Indiana State ran a pure, old-fashioned motion offense. Larry ran around. Then you have the racial aspect, white versus black. Magic being an urban guy and then uh, Larry being a country folk. So every stereotype is there. Then everything you can imagine in our nation is right there and and Michigan State killed them. They're just... (laughs) Michigan State actually had a team around Magic. Illinois or uh, Indiana State, they had Larry and and that was and that was it terrible game but it is i think to this day it's still the most watched college basketball game in history because everybody wanted to see that 79 championship game uh i hopefully you enjoy that izzy and i going back and forth we i I meant to talk about this for a little bit and we went really long but i loved it i love talking about that stuff please react on town hall tuesday at doug franz unplugged to uh um to post something on instagram doug at doug franz unplugged.com if you want to email and to tweet me all you have to do is go to at unplugged doug tag me and then i like it when you use hashtag town hall tuesday it makes it a little easier for me to find it but interact with us on who are some of the players you would choose for your all-star reserves rip jason kidd like i did uh rip me for saying what i said about dennis rodman or designated hitters rip izzy just because you know whatever you want but be a part of the show on town hall tuesday all right coming up next um I something happened yesterday in Mobile, Alabama that should turn the head of every Cardinal fan and I saw a list that I got to tell you when stuff like this happens like sometimes I have an opinion that I think is outlandish and when a professional is even stronger than me then I get worried about that guy <laughs> I'll explain next Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Thanks for watching Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. And please, uh, if you if you don't consider yourself a member of the Unplugged Army, hey, we need you. That's the only way the show survives. And really, all of us here at WTSMTV.com. When you see an advertisement on WTSMTV.com, or if you are listening to the podcast, Amazon, Google, Spotify or tune in when you hear those sponsors that's why this content is free as the podcast and so inexpensive on the tv show because we need you and if you can support our sponsors it's a game changer and it helps us give you better tv shows it helps us give you better podcasts so please pay attention to the sponsors and strongly consider giving them your business 
I was watching the Senior Bowl practice yesterday, and uh, this has never happened to me. I, I hate Toledo. Okay, I'm an Ohioan, and I totally believe Toledo is the armpit of America. And if you ever get stuck having to go to Toledo, you know, run like crazy. So to sit here and speak positively about Toledo is a scary thing. But Mitchell is a cornerback from Toledo, and he's fantastic within the confines of the Mid-American Conference. Okay, fantastic, but it's the MAC. How great are the receivers in the MAC? Number one and number two, he's so clearly the best player on the defense that you just walk into a game plan as a MAC offensive coordinator and say, "We're not throwing to that guy," so he doesn't get challenged a lot. But the catch about Mitchell is he's not a guy that falls asleep. There is good tape at LSU of Patrick Peterson being so dominant. Pat P would fall asleep. He would just kind of like somebody would get open on him. Because it's like, hey, they're not throwing at me. And he wasn't just a competitive fire that says, I'm going to shut you down. Every- I want to compete this play, you know, stuff like that. Mitchell never shuts down. That's why he's looked at really good. Well, in the senior bowl, holy crap, did he look good against some of the best receivers. So somebody made some money yesterday. If he doubles down today, he's going to – he might even shoot himself into the top 10, all right? A Mac player top 10 is fantastic. I believe Khalil Mack was the last Mac player to be drafted in the top 10. I could be wrong on that. Please feel free to uh, to look it up. There was a, uh, a tackle out of Central Michigan that was – Fisher was the number one pick overall by the Chiefs a long time ago, and I can't remember – remember which draft happened first but I believe Mac was the last one so speaking of the draft if you could Izzy I saw something from Daniel Jeremiah that I would like to go through with you he is the ever since Mike Mayock took the job as the Raiders general manager before getting fired he was the NFL.com NFL network draft expert now Daniel Jeremiah moved from number two to number one about five six years ago and he put out his top 50 list Now, this is not a mock draft. It's just the top 50 list. If you're watching on WTSMTV.com, it's on your screen. I'm not going to go through it and read everything Jeremiah wrote on each pick. But here's what I found so interesting with it. If you're listening to the podcast right now, thank you. But I'll go through it with you on some of the interesting points. Not a lot of people have said Caleb Williams is the actual number one player in the draft. Everyone says the Bears are taking him number one. The Bears haven't said anything, of course, but every mock draft has Caleb Williams number one. A mock draft is different than the big board. This is just who's the best player in the draft. So Daniel Jeremiah says that number one is Caleb Williams. A lot of people say it's Marvin Harrison Jr., who he has at number two. Okay, fine. He's got him at number two. Here's what grabbed me. I am probably in about an 8% group of people that consider themselves draft Knicks that think Roma Dunze is the best receiver in the draft. That is not me stepping on Marvin Harrison Jr. For some reason, too many people think that if you say that about Roma Dunze, you're saying Marvin Harrison Jr. stinks. No, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is unbelievable. I just think Roma Dunze is this good. And one of the reasons why is I like Adunze better in contested balls, okay? Now, here's what's fascinating about the Daniel Jeremiah grouping of players. He disagrees, obviously, says Marvin Harrison's number two as overall player and number one receiver. 
but he's got Roma Dunze as the third best player in the whole draft. And not a lot of people do that. So look at how close, in a sense, for him the gap is between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Roma Dunze. Not only are they 1-2 as receivers, but in his mind, they're both top three players in the entire draft. That makes this very interesting. To, and I, again, I don't have any idea what Monty Ford is thinking with his pick, but I thought that's something that you should really look at. And then if you are looking at this on your your screen look at the last sentence of Roma Dunze the last sentence on Roma Dunze's rundown says this quote overall a Dunze is a complete player and reminds me of Larry Fitzgerald coming out of college so many people when they look at Marvin Harrison Jr. they're making the Fitz type of comparison I haven't heard somebody make the Odunze fits comparison, and Daniel Jeremiah doesn't. So that's really interesting. He's got Drake May quarterback at four, Jaden Daniels quarterback at five. For me, this is going to confuse you, I admit. I think Jaden Daniels is the number one quarterback in the draft, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him. <laughs> no, no, when I say I wouldn't draft him, of course I would draft him later on. But he would pass me by. And the reason why is I think Jaden Daniels is going to get broken in half in the NFL. I think he's too small framed. And I like the fact he stands in the pocket and he'll take hits. But I don't think that's going to work in the NFL. I think he's going to take too many hits. I think he's going to be wildly successful while he's playing. I just don't think he's going to play enough. So that's why I'm not in love with Jaden Daniels. And I, I wouldn't pick him unless I'm getting him late. And trust me, he wouldn't be there by the time I would take the, what I believe is, is an injury risk uh, for him. Um, the, the next one is, is Arnold, the corner from Alabama. As we scroll through this, if you're a Cardinals fan, this is amazing to me. Where are you really weak? You're really weak at corner. You're really weak at tackle. You're really not as bad at tackle. I should say really weak. You're weak at tackle, not really weak. You're really bad at defensive tackle, but there's not a lot of great defensive tackles. You're really bad at pass rush. So corner, pass rush, O-line receiver, right? That's that's what you need. Look at some of these names once you get past Jaden Daniel. Arnold, cornerback, neighbors, wide receiver, LSU. Bowers, tight end, you don't need that. That Trey, Trey, Trey is doing great. Alt, he's got him listed at number nine, the tackle out of Notre Dame. Two things here. I think Alt is better than the ninth best player in the draft. Where we do agree, Daniel Jeremiah has Alt listed as the first tackle in the draft. I think he's the first tackle. Most people disagree with me. They would put Penn State's tackle as the number one tackle. I'll get to that in a minute because that's kind of interesting. Dallas Turner, edge rusher from Alabama. Oh, my gosh. If, the, if there's any way the Cardinals can trade down. I don't think they can trade down, and you know why? Because I think the quarterbacks will be drafted by the time the Cardinals pick, and then they're not going to find a trading partner. I don't think there's anybody on the draft board that's going to be there at number four that somebody is so dying to get to they're re- willing to give up a lot because there's going to be so much talent probably where they're drafting. So I don't think the Cardinals are going to find a trade partner, but yes, if you can trade down, do it. 
it. So Turner at about the ninth pick, oh my gosh, what a dream come true. You will love Dallas Turner. The guy never stops. Now here's where it gets even more interesting in the Daniel Jeremiah grouping is 11 and 12. He has Fuaga, the tackle out of Oregon State, rated one spot higher than Fashanu, the uh, tackle out of Penn State. I haven't seen anybody rank Fuaga, Fuaga, sorry, Fuaga as the second best tackle. Everybody's battling it out between Penn State and Notre Dame. They're going Fashanu and uh, versus Alt, with most people taking Penn State. So Daniel Jeremiah, the only guy I've seen that takes Fashano and uh, and has him as the as the number three. Then right next to it, Latham, the tackle out of Alabama. I like Latham, but I'm I'm not so sure I, I want him as a top 15 player. The name right underneath that is one of my favorite players in this draft, Jared Verse. I think a lot of people are missing on Verse. I think he's going to be a fantastic pro. Then it's Thomas, a wide receiver again, LSU. There's a theme here. Then he's got um, Fatanu, the tackle out of Washington. This is crazy how many tackles he has in his top 16 so most people like me have been saying and if you go by Daniel Jeremiah I'm 100% wrong here but most people have been saying you need to draft a tackle if you're the Cardinals because the run there's not as many good tackles while you can get a receiver whenever you want there's so many corners you can get a corner whenever you want you can get a lot of other positions but the elite tackle is going to be gone according to Daniel Jeremiah that's not true that there's great tackles all up and through the uh, the first round. His 17th best player, Guyton, tackle out of Oklahoma. Then his 18th best player, Mims, the tackle out of Georgia. See what I mean? And then we'll sit here at number 19. There's Mitchell, the corner. I think Mitchell's even better than 19. We disagree on this. But if Daniel Jeremiah is right, that could actually mean Mitchell might be there either in range of the Texans pick that the Cardinals own or trading up from that spot wouldn't be crazy. You walk away with Mitchell uh, from with the Houston Texans pick, oh my gosh, Cardinal fans, be singing like crazy at what you could do. And then scroll all the way down to 22 and 23. This is really interesting to me. Byron Murphy Jr., fantastic defensive tackle. I would also love it if the Cardinals took him with the Houston pick because I think they desperately need a defensive tackle, but I don't think the value is there for most guys. But I like the value for Byron Murphy later in the first round. Now, last week I was saying... I like Bo Nix as pick number 32. I would not take Bo Nix if I'm drafting with the Cardinals pick where the Texans pick at all. I wouldn't use that pick for that reason right there because there's too many other players that will be on the board. I personally think Bo Nix is valued as a second-round pick. But I want the fifth-year option. I'm just playing a game by drafting him in the first round. Look at this. He has Bo Nix ranked as the 23rd best player in the draft, uh, ahead of uh, Robinson, the Penn State edge rusher, ahead of J.J. McCarthy, the Michigan quarterback, ahead of um, – uh, who's the other guy I love? I, I like Wiggins a little bit. Uh, Jordan Morgan, the tackle from U of A. That's really interesting. And then the last one that grabbed me is if you scroll all the way down to number 36, that's where he's got Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's a player that if the Cardinals don't draft 
a corner in the first round. I love that he's got McKinstry at number 36 because that's right in a wheelhouse for the Cardinals in the second round to get McKinstry, and he's a good player too. Lots to talk about there. All right, last thing real quick uh, is I want to play this from Rory and get your feedback on what you think about Rory's complete change in everything. And then we'll have Steve McCollum kind of talk about this as well. Here's Rory at Pebble Beach talking about whether or not live golfers should be punished for if they come back to the PGA or should they even be allowed in the PGA Tour? I think life is about choices. Guys made choices to go and play live. Guys made choices to stay here. And, you know, you if people still have eligibility on this tour and they want to come back and play or you want to try to do something, let them come back. I mean, I don't, I don't think... I think it's hard to punish people. Um, I don't think there should be a punishment for... I, I'm Obviously, I've changed my tune on that because I see where golf is and I see that having a diminished PGA Tour and having a diminished Live Tour or anything else is is bad for both parties. Be much better being together and moving forward together for the good of the game. Um, and that's that's my that's my opinion of it. So, you know, the, to me, the faster that we can all get back together and start to play and, you know, start to have, you know, the strongest fields possible, I think is great for golf. There's two ways to look at this. Either Rory is one of the biggest hypocrites ever because he just totally changed gears. Or, and this is the way I look at it, I admit, he has such a disconnect with the PGA Tour leadership that he thinks they are so inept that he's given up on them so much that it's like, hey, sue for peace because I now understand you guys are so bad at your job. We need to live golfers back. Um, Steve McCollum's coming up. He's on from 8 to 10 every weekday morning here on WTSMTV.com. It's still weird to me because in our old studio setup, he was three rooms over. So it made sense to, to have our setup like this. Now, the fact that he can hear me better in the room than he can hear me in his own headphones is just kind of weird because he's basically behind my camera but in front of his. The, the thing you don't know is uh, I could hear you in the other studio as well, three <laughs> rooms over. So Hopefully I wasn't distracting you the whole time <laughs> and you're able to block me out like so many other listeners do. Those walls were thin. We'll put it that way. Steve, when you look at what Rory's comments yeah. were, how, how do you take it? Uh, somebody got to him. Okay, okay. So he's off the player competition committee, right? So he's off of that. Yeah, he resigned from that group. Uh, And uh, something happened where they got to him, whether they said, hey, start promoting this, you'll get something Mm -hmm. for sticking with the PGA Tour. But something happened back channel for him to backtrack and go that far to the other side. And and we'll we'll know what it is at some point, but uh, somebody got to him. I wonder if we're both right, because when you say somebody got to him, I, I always look at that as, you know, quid pro quo, change your opinion just to get something and Mm -hmm. I kind of look at it as when he resigned from the tour executive board it was right after the PGA announced that they're going to be in cohorts with live golf and didn't even tell the golfers yeah and I think he was so mad at them and thought you guys are so clueless and he had stuck his neck out for so long that it's almost his denial of those people and it's like I accept all of you guys for leaving for live because because the PGA Tour was run so poorly, I'm not as upset about it anymore. Well, uh, I, I do think it's a direct 
shot at um, you know the tour, the, you know the tour leaders that have ruined mm-hmm. this whole. I do think it's a shot at them as well. Like I'm done supporting you guys. Yep. So get this merger handled. Look, they, they've had a person to merger back. Um, I don't have any specific people that are telling me this, but my inclination is is that Liv is kind of demanding stuff from the tour, and the tour's got to go along with yeah. it, which is prolonging. They're trying not to, but that's what's prolonging these talks. Is Liv has the upper hands, which uh, if you're Rory and those guys, that's not a good sign to be in. Not, yeah, not a good place to be in. Jay Monahan has proven himself to be completely inept mm-hmm. as as the the guy. So if you don't know where it stood, they kind of sued for peace. They came together and they were going to be in cohorts. Then the Federal Trade Commission actually got involved, and part of the agreement was quit pillaging each other's players. Mm-hmm. No more going after each other's players. That was the agreement. That was in the initial. That was the initial. Uh, you know, meeting where exactly. they decided to merge. Exactly. Yes. And then the Federal Trade Com- Commission and the Justice Department made a ruling that said that means you're acting as an illegal monopoly when you're restricting trade, so you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. So once that opened up, Liv said, okay, and then they started going after guys again. Mm-hmm. And then now the PGA Tour is trying to get the owner of the Red Sox and I it's, think the two, owner of the commanders, some people to come yeah. together and infuse billions of dollars into the tour, yeah. basically so they can have any kind of leverage with Live well, Golf. So and right now they don't. Well, so instead of merging with Live Golf, they've gone to a couple sports entities. So like the Red Sox ownership is a big, you know, multi-billion dollar mm-hmm. industry. So they're going for those guys because if you're not going to merge, because the whole thing with the Live Tour is the PIF fund is going to fund that right, tour. Right, right. Uh, and... Uh, uh, That's the what, Saudi Arabian yeah, oil money, basically. Whether the government is telling them don't do that, you're going to have problems with it, so they're looking at outside money. So that's also holding up this negotiation. I, I, I'll bet you that this merger with the Live will not go through, and then we'll get private equity funding from wow. some other entity I to bet, stay alive. I, I, do, I think both is going to happen. I think they'll get the private money in order to figure out how to merge. Yeah. But... Who's going to win in the sense of are there going to be team events yes. in the PGA Tour? Are you going to be are there going to be drafts every round or will you have a permanent team? Yeah. Some of the live guys feel like the one of the reasons why they jumped not only was the straight cash homie at the beginning, but it was also because of I own stake in my team. They, they look at themselves as a franchise owner, yep. just like the Red Sox, and they think that's going to build. But if you do it differently, it won't build. Here's my catch, though. I'm never going to care who are John Rahm's teammates. But I would care about a draft before every before a, a team tournament. I think that would be funny. I want to see who you as a captain think is the better golfer. I think this is bad for golf all around. I think, I, uh, you know, I think this is going to actually ruin the sport of golf and turn a lot of people off to the sport of golf. Um, I'm know, one of those people. Uh, yeah. And that's the that's the problem that you have there. They're saying that both sides need no this infighting and everything. You saw it with for the new racing fans. You saw it with IndyCar back in the day You're with right. kart racing where Indy 500 is a shell of itself because two entities uh, decided to throw money into it and fought each other and it, it ruined them. Uh, you, you've seen it with, you know, USFL and NFL over the days where the USFL turned and went directly after the NFL. The second they did that, they lost. Yeah. And it, you know, not that it ruined the NFL by any means, but it ruined, uh, you know, the stand-up league, you know, the fix-up leads. Uh, and somebody's going to lose in this battle, and whoever loses this battle is going to be for the future of golf uh, and the way that it's played. And uh, look, uh, the main reason why Live doesn't work is look at the ratings. It's right there in front of you. Nobody exactly. wants to watch it. Period. End of story. 
That is the problem with Live Golf. And if, if PGA Tour loses this, say goodbye to golf as you know it. And I bet you millions of people will stop I'm watching. I'm so golf. with you on that. I, I never would have thought I care about a cut. Like, it's just something I, I whatever. Uh, but just the idea yeah. of the merit system of you've got to make it and you've got that pressure every yeah. time. And I actually liked it the few times Rory or Tiger or somebody didn't make yeah. the cut. But I understand as an advertiser, I spent all this money and I don't even know who's showing up. But, but nobody's watching a guy shooting plus 36 on a Sunday. Nobody yeah. cares about that guy You're either. Right. You're right. You know, it, th- that's him. why the whole cut thing is stupid. You're right. You know, it's ridiculous. Nobody is. They, they literally show them on the lift thing. I watch the. I watch a lot of live golf just because I'm curious about it. Okay. I want to see how it goes. And they will cut to the guy that's plus 36 and in last place on on the last day of the event. And you just don't care. You just don't. And that's that's the problem. That's why you need cuts. That's perfect. That's perfect. What's coming up on the main event? Today? Uh, man, NFL talk, of course. Lots of NBA talk. Uh, you know, I got uh, going around the league and getting caught up on you know other teams out there as we're getting to this all-star break uh i'm worried about the suns man not because uh of what they're going to do in the trade deadline but what other teams are going to do and who's going to surpass the suns there's a lot of names out there michael bridges might become available uh for the for the net so watch that game tonight uh for that happens but uh suns could could quickly fall in talent with moves other teams make that's a great point good looking forward to it have a good show see you the uh, main event every weekday, 8 to 10, right here on WTSN. I got to stop for two more seconds. Oh, no, it's all good. And then there comes iOS with Izzy. Did not crash yesterday, but the hot streak is in serious jeopardy after going one and one. With the negative juice, it's officially a, even though the record is a draw, it's officially a loss on that. As last night, I told you, I think Boston's going to win. But after being on a back-to-back, playing a good Pacers team, I like the Pacers to cover. I thought seven points was too much. So I took the Pacers plus the seven. Got a little lucky, but it it finished right in the window where I thought. I said, I think Boston's going to win by four. Boston won by five. 129-124. I'm still within my window. So I got that game right. Indiana plus the seven. The game I, I just got destroyed on. Knicks and Jazz both on a back-to-back, but the Knicks flew up from Charlotte while the Jazz had just played Brooklyn. So I thought, ah, you're sleeping in the same hotel. Life's going to be easy. Jazz playing decent basketball, even though I think the Knicks are a better team. I like the fact that I get the four and a half. Uh, no. Knicks win 118-103. <laughs> they win by 15. Ten points away from even the spread. I got blitzkrieged on that one. So I end up going one and one yesterday. Record goes to 1097 and 960 overall. I'm still up plus 18 units so far in uh, in January. So January's still been good, but we got to finish strong. Last day of January, and after looking at everything, college basketball, NBA, NHL, there's only one game I like. And Izzy, maybe you get the win. Maybe you get the win. But the Chicago Bulls were on the road or at home last night and got beat up, gave up 24 points to Gary Trent Jr. and got beat up by Toronto. Now they had to fly to Charlotte. Now Charlotte's not good. 
but a lot of times when you're a young team, you know you're playing a bad team, you're on the back end of a back-to-back, and you just don't have the focus because you think, we can just roll the balls out here and we can get a win. And then, all of a sudden, you're in a dogfight and you didn't expect it. So if you're a Bulls fan, I'm not going to lie to you and try to act like this is a big game against Charlotte, but it is something where you take a look at your team's mentality and you start to understand, are we what we think we can be? As Chicago is the nine seed right now, and they're four games under 500. Charlotte is a whopping 15 games below 500. They are 25 and a half games behind Boston. We haven't even had the All-Star break yet. And they're 25 games back, okay? Charlotte's not good. But Chicago knows Charlotte's not good. And this is where young teams sometime lay an egg. So I, I'm only getting four and a half points. I wish I was getting a few more. But I'm going to take the Hornets plus the four and a half against the Chicago Bulls because you know how I feel about travel. Izzy? Really? Are, yes. Oh, yeah. I, now, I didn't say. I didn't take them on the money line. So I didn't guarantee that Chicago's going to lose. All right? So you're safe there. All right? Are we Are we, are we still cool? No, probably not. No, no. All right. All right. So he'll be, he'll be holding that grudge. So therefore... If you didn't know uh, what's happened, Jeff Weir Production has kind of moved into a different position where he helps Izzy produce both shows, and then he does a lot of other stuff and then focuses a lot more on the growth of Coop Island and hanging with Coop, okay? So here's what Jeff Weir Production used to do to me all the time. Whenever I would get frustrated with Tennessee or the Braves, I would suddenly get this stupid logo over my head. I'm a little nervous, I admit, about the beginning of tomorrow's show because there, you, you, it might come up at any, at any moment. There's this Bulls logo that flashes somewhere on Doug Franz Unplugged if Charlotte doesn't come close. Now, where I would like, I'd like everybody to be happy. Bulls win by three. Izzy's okay. The Bulls win. I'm okay as I get the bet right. I'll, I'll put up a Dennis Rodman logo, like a Dennis Rodman picture right behind <laughs> Jersey number 91 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, that, you know, that would be fair. But if I have to look at Dennis Rodman in the wedding dress all show, <laughs> and, and having him on my monitor, that would uh, – you're right. That would, kind of, uh, that would kind of drive me crazy. You know what? Can I cheat for a minute? I just saw something that I didn't realize. Uh, all right, all right, I'll – I'll try to hedge my bet here a little bit uh, on this. I will take – I'm going to add one more game to it. I will take Anaheim tonight. I'm going to take Anaheim to uh, cover the uh, the puck line, the goal and a half. I was hoping I could get get them on the money line, but the money line's minus 185, and that's kind of ridiculous juice. But I- I'll take that I- I- because the Sharks are uh, terrible, and they just had a back-to-back in Seattle or, or at home, but they won against Seattle. So for a bad team to get a win, feel good about it, and now have a back-to-back, I'll try to steal one. So I'll t- just in case – I flame out on my Bulls pick. I'll still make money on the day with plus 130 juice with Anaheim. That does it for today's version of Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Please pay attention tomorrow for Dennis Rodman on the show. I don't know if he'll be live in North Korea when he comes on or not, though. We'll, we'll try to do whatever we can to get Dennis Rodman coming up tomorrow to talk about my pick of Charlotte plus the four and a half. Please figure out a way to be able to get out to Burrito 
Casino Express coming up Saturday. They're going to be open all day until about 3 o'clock, but all morning and then most of the afternoon. I'll be there around noon for the grand opening of the new location in South Tempe on Kyrene. Go to BurritoExpress.com to get specific directions or a specific address. The best sandwich in all of Arizona is the Bell's Nashville Hot Chicken Sandwich. My favorite meal there, though. Oh, my gosh. That iceberg wedge chicken tender salad. They don't cut up the chicken tender. It's three huge spicy tenders. I go with the Mother Clucker. You can go one level below Mother Clucker, or you can go with that ghost hot one. I'm not touching that one. But it mixes with the blue cheese so perfect. You'll love that for lunch today. Throw on a beer, Bell's Nashville Kitchen. There's also Rosati's Sports Bar in Chandler, but only the one at Ray and McQueen. All the other Rosati's, they're not with us in the Unplugged Army. So just support that, Rosati's, especially because you can actually hear the games. They pay attention, and you're not walking in, and it's trivia night, and this guy's wandering around really loud asking dumb trivia questions when you're there to watch the game. That's what I like about them. 6022 Repair is the phone number for Parker & Sons. Heating, cooling, plumbing, and electrical. 602, the number two, then R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. And whatever you do, please put it on your calendar, February 23rd, whether you stop by Civlick for lunch, Civlick for happy hour, or whether you play golf with us, please come out to Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. The main event's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.